President Biden is back on the global stage. This time he's in India for the G20 summit in a public display of diplomacy. A new book goes behind the scenes of the Biden administration, giving us two years of insider access to how Mr. Biden has tried to manage his presidency and what he has said behind closed doors about his ability to handle the job. Joining us now is Frank Four. He's a writer for The Atlantic and author of this new book, The Last Politician Inside Joe Biden's White House and the Struggle for America's Future. Uh, it's a really good read. Uh, lovely writing and great reporting. Uh, Frank Four. It says Franklin there. Do I have to call you Franklin now? Or is, it the, is that your No, it's not, it's not a rule. It's just the byline. But okay. thank you for having me. But I call you Frank. I've known you for... 30 years, 20 years, whatever it is. Anyway. As long as people know me longer, call me Frankie. Is that right? Well, okay. I'm somewhere in between Frankie and Franklin. I'll put that up there. All right, so let's start with the questions that I have here for you. So you're able to peel back the curtain into um, very personal and private moments uh, of the Biden presidency, including how Biden feels about the job. He's 80, the oldest man ever to hold the job. In your book, you wrote, quote, his public persona reflected physical decline and times dulling of mental faculties that no pill or exercise regimen can resist. In private, he would occasionally admit to friends that he felt tired. Um, does, he have, does he have the strength and stamina for re-election, do you think? Um, you know, the question about aging, I've spent so much time talking to people this last week about aging, and everybody brings all of this personal experience to bear because we have parents and we have grandparents, and aging is not a singular experience. Everybody, no, it's different for everyone. Everybody ages, yeah. and there's not a sell-by date for human beings. Right. They pass the point where they're no longer up to the job. I think Nikki Haley has talked about a mental acuity test for presidential candidates, and everything I've seen about Joe Biden, he would he would he would pass that test. Right. He's he's sharp physically. I mean, uh, uh, mentally. Yeah. I think the question is physically, right? Right. More so. Right. Well, and so and then how do we ask that question? So. Everybody slows down as they age, and, the, and he maybe doesn't have the stamina to do the type of public appearances he would have done when he was 70 or 60, but does that mean that he doesn't have the stamina to do the job? I mean, I don't think it's, there's like a simple answer to these questions, and it's all very subjective at the end of the day. Right, and the guy who's his chief uh, opponent is only three or four years younger than him exactly. anyway. Uh, in your book, you touch on uh, the price for peace, right, the, um, that Biden made with Randy Weingarten, uh, the head of one of the nation's largest teachers unions, on, the, on his promise, his campaign promise on getting kids back to school during COVID. Quote, for the sake of avoiding conflict, especially conflict with an ally, the Biden administration trimmed its goal of returning kids to school to a fraction of what had been promised on the campaign trail. He was, in effect, conceding that for thousands of students, the rest of the school year would be lost to the a pandemic. So it's kind of an under the table table deal. He's known for deal making. Yeah. Um, and so he got his piece. But like at what cost? You know? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure it was a deal per se. I mean, I think he was navigating very complicated uh, situation in the country where teachers were on the verge of strike in Chicago. There was a lot of unrest. There was a lot of anxiety everywhere. And so he was navigating a very, very tricky issue. A lot of his campaign promises in that regard were probably overblown about some of the ease of pulling off some of the promises that he made, but he certainly trimmed his sales very early in his administration about getting kids back to school. You also wrote about the, uh, obviously, the months and days leading up to the disastrous August 2021 uh, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Quote, the images harkened back to the photo of a man floating to his death from an upper story of the World Trade Center plummeting bodies that seem to sum up an era. This is the image of the man falling from uh, the plane. 13 U.S. service members, hundreds of Afghans, 
died in a suicide bombing in Abigate in the final days of the evacuation and the U.S. response to that as well. Um, the administration likes to focus on ending the war and how many people they got out. Um, and yet, you know, it's, it's hard to escape the fact that this was in many ways disastrous. Um, why didn't Biden fire anyone after what happened? Well, I think maybe at core, a lot of the faults in the process stemmed from his own sense of priorities. I think he looks at the American soldier and they were his primary allegiance. He's not somebody who is uh, a universalist when, he, when it comes to human rights. That's not one of the primary tenets of his foreign policy. And so I think that he, uh, in his hierarchy of concerns about Afghanistan, the humanitarian consequences of the decision in Afghanistan were not at the top of his list. He was trying to strategically refocus American foreign policy to deal with the problem of China. He was trying to make it so that there were no more troops that would be sent to Afghanistan. And he was uh, premised the decision on the fact that he thought there was going to be eventually some sort of transfer of power to a government that included the Taliban. And everything went sideways because disaster occurred two or three weeks before America left the country. So it happened on our watch and it became our problem. Yeah, and quickly, if you could, um, Hillary Clinton uh, was very frustrated with the Biden administration during this period. Tell us about that. So Hillary Clinton received a list from people within the government who were concerned about the humanitarian response to the withdrawal. And she began to berate people within the administration to move more quickly in terms of getting women, especially out of the country. Women legislators and judges yeah, and such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and during the pullout itself, she had set up a network of safe houses and uh, she hired contractors to take women to the airport and was negotiating with governments to get flights out of the country. Yeah, she was pissed. Yeah. She thought that the uh, Biden people were kind of incompetent with us. Well, she she certainly was. Yes, she was. I mean, that was what her <laughs> her actions reflected. Yeah. All right. Frank Fork, congratulations on the book. It's called The Last uh, Politician Inside Joe Biden's White House and the Struggle for America's Future. Highly recommended. It's out now. Thanks so much. Good Thank luck. you.